Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh. Serve fast. Serve friendly. Lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. Welcome to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. In episode 55, part one, Oscar speaks with Guy Strong. It's hard to describe everything Guy's done in life, from growing up in Irving, Kentucky and being a multi-sport athlete, to playing for Coach Rupp, winning the 1951 National Championship as a sophomore. His college career was the foundation for a successful college career. Most importantly, though, it was his values growing up that laid the foundation to become a successful educator. His coaching stops included Mail High School, Virginia Tech University, Kentucky Wesleyan College, in which he won the 1966 Division II National Championship, Eastern Kentucky, and Oklahoma State. His contributions to education are remarkable, serving as both an assistant principal and principal at George Rogers Clark High School. Guy Strong should make all Kentuckians proud, but he should make all Americans proud, having served his country in the military. From Irvin to Lexington, Madison Square Garden, Korea, West Africa, to Oklahoma, to Winchester, it's been quite a journey for Guy Strong. His bio states he does everything well, and, well, this guy's done everything. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. And his guest, Guy Strong. Been a long, long time, Guy, but what was it like growing up in Irvin, Kentucky in the early 40s, late 30s? Well, we were a railroad town. Most of the kids on the athletic teams, all parents worked on the railroad or or uh, occasionally they'd have a business or something in town. But it, it was just it was a wonderful place to grow up. We had a good school system. We had competitive athletics, and we always seemed to have a lot of pride in uh, what we did. And and amazingly, for a small school, uh, we had a lot of kids that aspired to go on to college. Large family, small family? Uh, I had a brother and a sister. My 95-year-old sister passed away, and she went with her youngest daughter to Punta Gorda and lived there the last five years. In fact, we had a memorial service for two weeks ago at Irving. Then I had a brother four years older than me, and he passed away in 95. Growing up early on in life, you become a childhood friend, Earl Cox. Tell me what it was like growing up with him. <laughs> well, Earl was always looking to get an edge on things, and he's the one that talked, or Mr. Orr, Joe Orr was our, he was the principal, he was the basketball coach, and when I was a junior, he was a football coach. And my senior year, we talked him into coaching baseball, but he taught two classes and was the principal. So he had a busy time, and uh, Earl and I were a part of that group that 
there was about seven or eight of us. We did everything together, and uh, and uh, mo- uh, six of us off our ten-player team played three sports. What 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 did you and Earl play? Earl played baseball. It's the only sport he played. But I I played basketball, baseball, and football. Played quarterback and football, garden basketball, and pitcher and baseball. You you were you were playing then. Today, Estill County, which is the consolidation of everything, right. is in the 14th region. But up until a few years ago, uh, Irvin and Estill County was always part of the 11th region. We were in the 11th region. We had to beat the Lexington schools in order to go. And our region, our our district, 44th district, was a nine-team district at that time. And you you made some road trips. Uh, I know you you played up in the mountains some. Uh, I'm understanding you even got there by you rode trains. We rode the train hazard, uh, and if we played football, they'd put extra coach on the train because most of the players. Parents worked for the railroad, so we got a pass. We didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> and, uh, but we would, uh, the team went on the train also. As you grew older, at what point in time did you begin to think about playing college sports? You know, I never really thought that much about it. I, I played because I loved it so much. And uh, I played football, basketball, and baseball, college basketball, and baseball. Independent baseball, my father never saw a game. And uh, when I got a scholarship to UK on tryouts, he couldn't believe that I was going to get an education just playing basketball. Did Were there any other schools involved as far as you going to college, or was it just UK? No, I had the opportunity to go to Purdue and Tennessee, and most of those were people who lived in Irving that had gone to school at those schools and they'd pass your name along. You, you didn't have the wall-to-wall recruiting like you do nowadays. This was a period just at the conclusion of World War II that we're talking about, coming into 48, 49. Uh, how did you pursue a school? Did they offer you full scholarships? I know you had to make it at Kentucky. Well, at, in Kentucky, at Kentucky at that time, you could have uh, tryouts. They brought about 35 of us in there. Now you're and, talking before school even starts. No, no. This was in uh, April. I caught the train to go over okay. there. I so had a pass. So are you still in high school at this point? Yeah, as senior, yes. Yes, okay. And I go to go over there for tryouts. Okay. And they'd run us out there five, five at a time. We'd scrimmage, and they'd say, you stay, you stay, and they'd pay the others bus fare home. And... Uh, was he it, picked it, me the first day because I hit about five or six set shots. And and uh, I'll never forget the second day then. They took us to the races. They had two cars. We got to go out to races. Gave Keenan. us some money to bet. Right. And uh, and gave you money to bet? Yeah, I don't remember how it worked. But it was, <laughs> anyway, we uh, went to the track and we probably pooled our money. I don't remember how that went. But uh, uh, Spivey, the second day then, I stayed over for the second day. They told me I could go ahead and leave, but I stayed over for the second day. Spivey stole the ball, went down, slam dunked it, and you hadn't seen that at that time. And that's when they kept Bill Spivey because he was seven foot and weighed about 185. 
There, there's some of the old timers tell the story that when they had these tryouts and stuff, that that Adolph would have Harry to call him aside and say, "You come back tomorrow. You come back tomorrow. The rest of you." Can That's talk. basically what what they did. They'd say, "Here's your bus fare home." Now, as you were preparing to go to college, what was the sport like? Uh, the gymnasiums, the backboards, were they still using the rectangular backboards? Or rectangular had you wooden boards. All, were, you, were you playing with a leather ball or a, a synthetic ball? Uh, usually it was, a, it was a McGregor ball I think we used. And uh, eventually the colleges used Spalding. But if I'm not mistaken, we used a McGregor. Were you into Chuck Taylors at that time? Yes, yes. I've still got a pair of Chuck Taylor black canvas all-stars. Now, uh, growing up earlier, what did you use as a kid before the Chuck Taylors come along? Was it kids? Uh, I don't even remember. You were Chuck Taylor all the way. I never got a pair of shoes until I went to the high high school and got a... Well, generally, generally speaking back then... That's how you got your first pair of shoes. You had to make the varsity, and then you got your Chuck right, Taylors. Right. You see, we didn't even have uh, little leagues at Irving, and we didn't have a junior high team. So Mr. Orr, our coach, he would bring us to the high school on Saturday mornings and have some of his players teach us the fundamentals of passing and shooting and dribbling and some defense, and that was the extent of our practice. We never played as an organized team till we became freshmen. When you come to Kentucky, you're following the great 48 team that had just won the national championship, had become uh, half the team of the Olympic uh, gold medalists that went to London, and a year later, actually become a charter member of the NBA as the Olympus, the Indianapolis Olympians. What do you remember about those guys? Well, when I when I tried out and was selected for a scholarship, they had to, they played a game on Stahl Field, if you remember. They brought the floor from the armory. Well, the way it worked out, they only had nine players. So Coach Lankster called me if I could come over. So that team that played the uh, Phillips 66, I got to scrimmage with them for a week uh, right out of high school. A lot of people don't remember that or don't recall it, but I think the way it was is that supposedly Kentucky won the college division of right. the tournament and the Oilers won the AAU A-U, division. Right. That's and right. then you had a three-game exhibition games with one of them being played here at Stowfield. And the winner of the two, the coach got to be the head coach, and, of course, right. the Oilers won two of the three. Right. I can remember one guy I remember with the, Oils, uh, with the Oilers was uh, Barksdale, a guy named Barksdale. I think he yes. was from UCLA or somewhere. But, see, that was when they had the old AAU league. and They used to play the AAU tournament in Denver. And you had the Denver Bankers and the Phillips Oilers and the Houston Oilers and all that stuff. What was your freshman year at UK like? Well, we had about 14 scholarship freshmen when I was a freshman because they knew they were losing all those guys and they brought a lot of people in. And uh, we played a full schedule. 
I don't. We didn't lose a game as a freshman. Who did you play? We played. Uh, Cumberland was a junior college then, and Campbellsville was a junior college. Ashland had a junior college, so we played uh, people like that, and we played about ten or twelve games. Played the varsity just about every day. Our freshman team did. Was it a matter of throughout that season you were basically in a year-long tryout season and then well, it, ate off at the end of the year would right. just pick the litter and yeah. everybody go home other than that? That's basically what it was. And, uh, you know, guys would see the handwriting on the walls kind of like the year I left, you know, uh, with Ramsey and Hagen them coming up behind. We knew that uh, your playing time was going to be limited. <laughs> Your inaugural year of playing varsity, which was your sophomore year, right? Uh, you had a unique. You, you you crossed a lot of history. Your three years here because that was the last year you were going to be playing in alumni hall, alumni gym. Right. Was your first we, we varsity moved, year. right? And I can remember vividly playing Kansas, and they had this all Big Eight center Clyde Lavellet, and Spivey wore him out. Bill had 30 points, and I think he got five or something. And I think he later on in life teamed up with Cliff Hagen to win an NBA title right. with the St. Louis Hawks. right. The, the, the sophomore year, y'all made a trip, as was custom back then, uh, under Adolph, New York. He loved to play in New York. Tell me a little bit about that. He wanted, he wanted exposure to the New York Riders at that time. The epitome of college basketball, the big, the NCAA tournament was not that big a deal. The NIT was a bigger deal than the NCAA tournament because they'd only gotten started back about 1938 or 39, somewhere along there. And so the, the NIT at that time was the premier event. And he knew that if he could get up there and get exposure, they'd have a good chance to get to go back to the NIT. Uh, during that period, some bad things happened with the college game. I think it was basically in the um, 48, 49, 49, 50 seasons when the scandals broke out up there. And by your second year up there, uh, you had to be hearing noises about that. Well, the you know, uh, uh we heard rumblings about that, that uh, I didn't know what it meant to, I didn't know what a point spread was. And you certainly didn't know what shaving points meant. Right, and, you know, and uh, I, I can remember them saying that they got introduced to this in the Catskill Mountains when they went up and played in the summer, that uh, this is where some of the gamblers made contact with the players because they had a, Catskill League at that time, and uh, all those resort-sponsored teams. Uh, one of the coaches was Red Arback. Here he was, coach of the Boston Celtics, and coaching a college team, college players, at a resort there in the Catskill Mountains. December the fifteenth, nineteen forty-nine. You played, I guess, your one and only game, actually getting in Madison Square Garden. You were there two years, but. The one game you played against St. John's, right, right. you remember it very well. Yes, they they played all two three zone, and of course uh, they all wore black shoes except Al McGuire. He wore red shoes, 
So he was a free spirit even in college. And uh, but anyway, uh, yes, I hit. I, I Coach Rep says get the ball to strong, and uh, I hit seven outside shots. And your 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 top scoring high, game in your right. career. Exactly. Did did was that your first time to New York? Had you been to New York before that? Uh, no, that was my first time. What was it like? Well, for a little boy from Irving. Now, first of all, did you, did you ride a train or did you fly there? We flew to Newark and took a bus, went through the Holland Tunnel over to Manhattan. And, of course, we had to explore all the sites in Manhattan. And, uh, you know, Coach Rupp, he had a penchant for saying clever things, uh, uh, he said, where's so-and-so? And somebody said, he went to see Port Perry Como. He said, who in the hell did he play for? <laughs> the, the the first season that you played, uh, 49-50, uh, you only lost five games that year. Uh, seemed to be a pretty good year, but you didn't have many seniors on that team, if I remember correctly. Right, and uh, of course... Ramsey and Hagen and Sharopoulos came up the next year then, and that's when it won it all. And uh, I tell you, Bill Spivey was one of the greatest centers they've ever had at UK, and uh, uh, he was big, tough, could score, and he was tough mentally. He uh, uh, even though even though you were twenty five and and four at the end of the season. You didn't get invited to the NCAA. What do you remember about that? I'm not familiar with what happened. Because you had just got through one in 48 and 49. Yeah. There's some people who were saying that that was Walt Byers getting back at Adolph. I'd say that could be a factor. So, But you did play in the Coach Rep was not – he wasn't in tight with a lot of those coaches like some of those guys were. And he, he – kind of a free spirit he did his own thing and uh that could have very well been a factor yeah you you'd won the sec tournament being played in louisville at the time was that the armory right the old armory and then you got an nit and you, you city lost college killed us ccny right that's city college of new york and they were one of the schools that later got implicated they in won the nit and the ncaa that year they won both of them. And so the next year, you come back, and this is your last year at Kentucky, your junior right, year. Right, And uh, you, you you only lose two players, but you add four, and pretty good names. You added uh, Ramsey, Hagen, Seropolis, and Dwight Price. Right, speedy. Is, is Dwight Price the same guy who ended up being principal at Lafayette many yes, years? Yes, yes. Dwight Price. He was the state mile champion. In high school, at, he played at U High. And you you get into that season and you win the title. What do you remember most about that year? Uh, being well, able we, to come back? I, I can recall the format for the NCAA was a little different then. I can remember that we went to Raleigh, North Carolina, and beat U of L. In the first round. Right. And uh, Bob Lockmuller's father was one of the stars with, uh, I mean, Bob Lockmuller was the the father of uh, Steve Lockmuller, who's AD at Eastern now. And uh, a guy named Noble played for you. 
And Shelby Linville had an exceptional game. We were able to beat them. Then from there, we went to New York and played in the regional, beat uh, Illinois, and I can't remember who else. Well, you ended up uh, going to Minneapolis. We played uh, Kansas State in the finals at Minneapolis. Yes. Yes. And Spivey had like 21 points and 19 rebounds, I believe. I believe there was a guy that was maybe uh, playing at Kansas at the time by the name of Ted Owens. No, Ted played at Oklahoma. Oh, okay. You no, know, he coached at Kansas. Yes. Ted played at Oklahoma. Okay. He played for Bruce Drake at Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, so after that year, it looks like Kentucky's loaded. They got Ramsey and they got Hagen right. and they got right. uh, everybody else coming back. Uh, and you decide that if you're going to play, I guess you're going to move on. Right. And Spivey, uh, he formed a team that year because he was declared ineligible and they didn't get to play. And uh, we we barnstormed with Bill Spivey, and uh, he picked up Jock Sutherland and I played the guards. Bill played center. Bill scheduled all these games. And uh, but you didn't, Al, you Al didn't, Bruno you, and Bill Escobar, two football players, played with us. But you didn't tour as... Say University of Kentucky, you, you oh, couldn't no, use no, it. Oh no, no, no! they weren't allowed Spivey's to play. All Stars. <laughs> yeah, Spivey's All Stars. Now, now the actual team that year, my understanding is they had four scrimmages, right, to the public, right, and they filled the coliseum. Exactly. Also, your last year there, you were on the cutting edge again of being able to be on the first team to play in a new Memorial Coliseum. Right. What was that like? The first game there. Well, I'll never forget. It's funny how you remember certain things. When we played Auburn at home, Coach Rupp says, fellas, he said, by the time these farm boys get through figuring out how much hay this place will hold, we ought to have a 20-point lead. <laughs> he was he was pretty comical at times. Oh, he... You had did, to, did he do that just in he, he squat did that, talking as yes. much as publicly? I think he did it intentionally, and uh, you'd get a towel hold over your face. Uh, so you could giggle? Yeah, so you could not let him see you laughing, or he'd have broke your plate. <laughs> but when we got beat up in New York, he told Spivey, he said, uh, he said the folks in New York are going to say the Barnum and Bailey Circus wasn't in town, but the biggest damn clown in the world was. <laughs> I'm not sure now if you said something like that, you'd probably get sued. <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 the team meetings, uh, the road trips, uh, what, what do you remember most about the Well, we were very stuff? disciplined. It was, he, he had everything programmed. I mean, you didn't, there wasn't a lot of uh, being jovial or anything like that. It was all business. And and I can remember, and I followed this when I coached, uh, if he said the bus lived at 4.30, you better be there at 4.25 or 4.20. And one time we had, uh, the boy was coming out of the student union and everybody was hollering, go, go. I mean, stop. Coach Rupp says, go on, driver, go on. <laughs> <laughs> and... and uh, he did let him come on. How did how did Coach Rupp and uh, Harry coexist during the time that you were there? 
Coach, I, you know, Coach Lancaster treated me like a son. He he was so nice to me, and uh, I I just I never ever heard him say a negative word about Coach Rupp. Never. And Coach Rupp could be put people down in in a, not a very nice way sometimes, but. Harry took it as a part of the job and uh, rolled with the bunches. Were were they the only two coaches? Did they get any yes. help at all? No, uh, I can recall when uh, they hired a guy named Quack Butler to help recruit, and the guy who owned the Kentucky company gave him. He worked for the Kentucky company, a finance company, and uh, his, his he, actual he, name is Donald. Donald, Donald Quack, Quack Butler, Butler from Owensboro. From Owensboro. And we got to know him over the years, I'm sure. He Graduate never, of Georgetown College. Yes. Never, ever missed a state tournament on opening day. Right. Always had a half of a ticket clipped on to his, his tie. tie class. <laughs> and partner, I mean, he would come, and he would he would find a way. He'd say, I need 12 tickets. I need 12 tickets. Yeah. And he'd go put them out. And the only reason he put them out is he wanted those 12 people to owe him something later. Right. See, when I played freshman ball, Quack was the coach at Campbellsville Junior College. He had uh, a boy named Dwayne Morrison from uh, Owensboro, played at South Carolina. And uh, Jock Sutherland played for him down there because he was good friends with Ralph Carlisle. Well, supposedly over the years that he was almost like a second dad growing up with Cliff Hagen in Owensboro. Wow. And uh, Quack, uh, Quack liked to tell everybody how he was the first official recruiter for Adolph Rupp, and you're the first person I've ever run into he was. to bring it up. He to was. To say he was. He, he recruited Cotton Nash. Yeah, he went on the road, uh, and I don't know that People had a so-called recruiter at that time, but he wasn't a part of the coaching staff. No, no, he it was wasn't. A recruiter. A, it wasn't official. It was right. sort of he was officially unofficial. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Quack but, was a personal friend of mine and Earl Cox. Big time personal friend of both. <laughs> and for years he ran the old downtowner motel. Exactly. Across from the Phoenix. Yes. And then he ran the Executive Inn in Louisville several years. He was an enterprising young man. Yes. Uh, what else do you remember about your college career as the years have gone by? That Well, uh, I, I was a pretty decent baseball player, too. And C.M. Newton and I both played baseball, and we were both pitchers. Was Harry coaching then or someone no, else? No, uh, Frank Mosley was coaching. Okay. The year we went to the NCAA in 1950, Frank Mosley was our coach. You went to the NCAA tournament in baseball? In baseball, yes. Our baseball team was all football and basketball players. Dom Fusey was the catcher. Uh, Walt Hirsch played first base. Johnny Stow, basketball, played second. Babe Pirelli played short. Doug Mosley, All-American football player, played third. Alan Hamilton, a football player, played left. Ben Zarenka, a football player, played center. And a boy from uh, Jackson, Tom Wisman, played right field. So you got to the tournament in 1950? We They went in 49 and 50. And fi how far did you get in the tournament? Well, we went to the uh, 
We went as the at-large team from the SEC. Alabama won the West Division. We won the East Division. They beat us in the playoffs. But we got to go as an at-large team. Mm -hmm. But Alabama had three pitchers pitching the major leagues. Frank Larry, Al Larry, and Al Worthington. Al Worthington pitched a little bit with the Reds at one time. Threw two no-hitters. Yes. Threw two no-hitters for the Giants. Uh, So, um... We went to... Kannapolis, North Carolina, and played the regional. And uh, it was Clemson, us, Alabama, and uh, Wake Forest. And Wake Forest beat us out. How did the NCAA tournament go back then? Did you end up having a, a final eight or elite four, or do you recall? Uh, they went, you're talking about baseball? Baseball, yes. They went to, the, they had the College World Series. Eight teams. Eight teams, yes. Okay. Eight, eight regions. So you got to the tournament, but you didn't get to the World well, Series. No, we didn't get to the World Series. I got you. Uh, so at, at this point in time, uh, you're uh, going back to Eastern. And um, how did you go at Eastern? Well, I went to Eastern, and of course I wasn't eligible. I commuted from Irving that whole year. And another boy that... Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You commuted from Irving, and this is in 1950. Fifty-two, right. right. What did you drive? I didn't drive. I didn't have a car. How did you get there? I rode with a guy that worked for Begley Doug Drugs in the morning. Oh, and and uh, so he hitchhiked. Right. Yeah. In the afternoon, then we'd walk out to the service station there on the corner to go into Irving, and we'd hitchhike. We knew if we didn't get a ride by four thirty, the Black Brothers bus would go and it cost a dollar so if we and very seldom did we ever have to take the bus we'd catch a ride sometimes we'd catch three rides so a year of that and then the military calls well i i got my commission in field artillery at eastern and uh when i got my commission then i got married in may and went on active duty then in august at fort sill Oh, I'm sorry, went on active duty in June and uh, went wound up going to Fort Sill, Oklahoma for a battery officer's course. As soon as I graduated there, uh, we went to Korea. And how much time did you spend over there? I was there a year. I got there in uh, August of uh, 53 and left in May of 54. What was that year like? Hell. I don't see anything over there worth fighting for. Uh, no, it was an interesting experience. I was a battery commander. <clears throat> had about 150 men in my outfit. And uh, I was in 155 Houchers. That's why I wear hearing aids. That's a, a projectile weighed 95 pounds. Did you lose any of your... Well, I know the war ended three days before my boat docked. So we got there at the end of the war, but we still had to go through everything. And uh, they got on to a sports kick and Ted Owens and I had met at artillery school and he wound up being the coach at uh, University of Kansas. But we played in the same league. He coached our division artillery basketball team. And so... You come back to Eastern. And I played a year for Coach Paul McBrayer. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, Coach McBrayer was a, 
he'd been a first sergeant in World War II, and he was a pretty tough taskmaster, but an excellent coach and a great disciplinarian. Uh, in fact, that's how I got the job at Mayo High. I coached one year at Madison High, had a so-so record because I was so young, I had so many young kids. And uh, Charlie Coon was the football coach and AD at Mayo High in Louisville. And he had played freshman ball under Coach McBrayer when Coach McBrayer was the freshman coach for Coach Rep. And he respected Coach McBrayer. And he said, do you have a player of yours who can coach football? And he sent me down and Charlie and I hit it off and I took the male high job. What year was that? 1956, first 56. year of integration. Okay. Uh, step back just a second. What do you remember about the relationship with Coach McBrayer and Coach Rupp? What about what? Their relationship. They had a a very contentious relationship, to put it mildly. He had been uh, Coach Rep. Coach McBrayer had been Coach Rep's assistant for about nine years, and I think he perceived him as a threat. And he had shyly tell him he no longer had a job when he came back. Now, when you That's say shyly, you're talking Coach about Bernie, Shively was, who the, was the AD. He was the AD at that yes. time. Yes. Did Did they ever make up? Not that I'm aware of. So you go to Mail High. Uh, you're there uh, six years. Six years. What do you remember most about that? Because that that actually started you well, I, to a love uh, affair that you go from there to college back to high school. Well, it, it gave me an opportunity to meet so many. At that time, Louisville was full of Division One players, and and you got to meet a lot of college coaches. And uh, I talked. <clears throat> now this is something, and it, it makes my blood boil when I see Matt Bevin do what he did, the governor. First year I coached at Mayo, I taught five biology classes, had a homeroom, assistant football and head basketball coach, made $4,800. At Madison High, I taught five classes, assistant football and head basketball, made $3,000. So I don't need some uh, carpetbagger from New Hampshire telling me anything about education in Kentucky. But you're right. Mayo gave me an opportunity to meet a lot of people, and I was able to coach the Kentucky All-Stars and have some good uh, contacts with the college coaches, and that gave me an opportunity to go to Virginia Tech as an assistant coach. And Virginia Tech? Uh... Coach Mosley, who coached my baseball team at, at uh, UK, had become the AD and football coach at Tech. But when I went to Tech, Jerry Claiborne was the head football coach. So we played handball, racquetball, tennis. And Jerry was a senior when I was a freshman at UK. And uh, you spent one or two years there? One year. One year. And the job at uh, Kentucky Wesleyan opened up. And, I and you had a nice it. run down there five or six years, including yeah, a four years. National I coached there four years. 1966? 1966, we won a national title. And uh, see, we were we were integrated in 1963. Mike Red and Charlie Taylor were two of the top high school players in the state, and they played for me. 
but I I used to say they were allergic to chalk dust. After <laughs> season was over, they flunked out. A lot of people don't. They realize, wouldn't go to school. Right? A lot of people. Uh, Kentucky Wesleyan hadn't been in Owensboro all that long, had they? They went there in '51. It mm -hmm. was here in Winchester right. till 1951, and uh, then we when we won it all. You have to have a lot of luck in coaching. You've got to be a decent recruiter, but you have to have luck too. And uh, Sam Smith got in a little grade trouble at U of L, and the dean of students at uh, the dean of students at U of L was uh, a good friend of mine. I met him through coaching a high school all star game against Indiana, and. Uh, he called me and told me that Sam wasn't going to make it academically and that he knew I'd look after him, take care of him. and uh, So we had him before anybody else even knew he wasn't. Working. He's a good old hazard boy. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you had, you've had you coached more than one hazard kid over the years. Right. The I Chester think you had Rose, Chester Rose Chester, at Eastern. Of course, uh, see, Sam was a uncle to Chester and Jimmy Rose right. and the Hogg brothers. Yeah. Uh, Freddie and uh, and uh, Houston, Houston and right. Houston was one of the first African American Fo football players, players to football, play in the yeah. SEC. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sam moved them to uh, Owensboro. He played at Davis County. You mean uh, Houston? Houston Hall. Yeah. 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 Uh, was it tough to leave Westland after you'd been there the five years and won the title? Well, we'd been or, there for, I was there four years, and, uh, you know, I wanted a chance to try to win it at the next level, and that's the reason I took the Eastern job. But we went, we won it in 66, and as a result of that, at that time, the Division Two champion got to go to, we took a six-week tour to West Africa. So we toured five different countries in Africa, and that's an experience that, we still go back. Bob Daniels and I still go back and played golf with our former players at Owensboro. We'd go down, play two days, and go out for dinner at night and reminisce and rehash all the good days. At this point in your career, uh, how, how did you look back at what you'd achieved from growing up in Irvin, Estill County? Well, it's almost like a dream, Oscar. It's, you know, it's... It's been such a fantastic ride, and the God has blessed me. Did, 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 was there any time when you were growing up in, in Urban where you think, before I really get halfway in my career, I will have never, gone from I, I Urban never, to never, Kentucky to New York City to being in a war? I never looked at things that way. I always looked at what was coming. As they say, one day at a time. That's the way, that's the way I take it right now. Uh, a great deal of it early on, you were also teaching. You alluded to it a little bit earlier. There. How much satisfaction did you get out of teaching versus coaching? Well, I always took my teaching. I felt like I was a professional, and I took my teaching seriously. I didn't roll out one ball for PE1 and two balls for PE2. And of course, I never taught PE. I uh, had minored in uh, biology, 
and I wound up teaching biology. So, uh, what did you learn when you were at Kentucky? First of all, at, at Irvin, and then at Kentucky, and at Eastern as a player, as far as success, failure, sharing. Well, I, you know, I always just always felt that you owed it to yourself to do the best you would possibly do. And my mother had been a teacher. She was the oldest of 12 kids, taught school, was postmaster at Quicksand, Kentucky. So I just kind of had that ingrained in me. And uh, my dad, as I said, never saw me play, but I knew he was proud of what I did. But he couldn't believe it when I told him I was going to get a basketball scholarship to play basketball. How did it affect you then and now that he never got to see you play? You know, I never, it didn't bother me. And I didn't have to listen to somebody rehashing what all I had done Wrong when I or went whatever. home. Right. <laughs> and he didn't know anything. I, if he'd say, How many points? He'd say, So and so said you played a good game last night. I said, Well, I did okay. How many points did you get? I said, Well, I got 14. He'd say, how many times you shoot? I said, I made seven out of ten. He said, I don't see how you ever miss one as much as you stay down there and practice. <laughs> well, now, how was your mother on her ha other hand? Well, she she was different. Her her brothers had been star players at Breathed High and at Quicksand, and uh, she had three sisters that had all played high school basketball. So she was a lot more up-to-date on that kind of thing. As much as you'd achieve and experience at that point, your next stop is going to be at Eastern, which is a Division One school. Uh, and that's where we're going to start out with part two. We'll have more with Guy Strong in episode 56 of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. All of Oscar's podcasts can be accessed through the official home of the Big O, oscarcombs.com remember to subscribe for free to automatically download episodes of conversations to your mobile device just search for at wildcat news in both the google play store and itunes and to keep up to date on all the news and views from the big blue nation follow oscar on twitter at wildcat news our thanks to guy strong for joining us on this episode of conversations i'm bo robinson thanking you for listening to conversations with oscar combs presented by rafferty's and double dogs. And as always, go Big Blue.